and welcome to another installment of the Shelf Care Interview, an occasional podcast where booklist editors get to chat with authors and artists about their books and, of course, libraries. I'm Sarah Hunter, editor of the Books for Youth and Graphic Novel section at Booklist, and I'm delighted to talk today with Pedro Martin about his hilarious and heartfelt graphic memoir, Mexican, which is out this month and received a star review in Booklist. A Spanish-language edition will be released later this fall. Many thanks to Penguin Young Readers for making this podcast possible. Before we get to the question, let me introduce our guest. Pedro Martin is a former Hallmark artist of 27 years and the creator of Asteroid Andy. He chronicles his life growing up Mexican-American online in a series called Mexican, which is the basis of the book we'll be gushing over today. Thank you so much for joining us today, Pedro. Hey, Sarah. So tell me a little bit about what inspired you to write Mexican. I've been writing stories for my childhood for, for years. I guess it first started when I was early in my Hallmark years. You know, the currency of ideas at Hallmark were these three by five cards that were just like everywhere. And almost every great idea at Hallmark started on a three by five. So I, I'd write down my, and th not that this was a great idea, but <laughs> I just happened to have a whole lot of time on my hands because I was kind of fast creating my cards. So I'd write down these stories from my childhood panel by panel, by panel on each card. Mm -hmm. And then eventually uh, I'd have hundreds of these cards sitting in my office and I started kind of piling them into this uh, old Batman lunchbox that I happen to have. And uh, <laughs> so when I left Hallmark, you know, some 27 years later, I found that lunchbox and I pulled them all out and I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of, kind of fun and interesting. And I was like, I forgot all about it, all this stuff. And so I was like, I think I need to kind of do something with these and put these out in the world since I'm, you know, kind of free to do whatever I want at this point. Um, and then after like a few times putting these out kind of on Facebook and stuff, I had some friends kind of come at me from different angles, other cartoonist friends who were saying, you know, hey, we see what you're trying to do, but you're quite not there yet. But one of the things that they were really adamant about was, you know, hey, you kind of have an authentic voice happening here. You know, you you you're not doing stuff for funny sake. You're kind of like telling stories, maybe focus on that, you know, just tell these stories. So I kind of took that to heart and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can I can definitely do that. And, you know, I tried my best to kind of find the most authentic version of me I could possibly find. And I kind of knew it kind of hit me when it happened, when I realized like I was really having a good time, you know, doing it. Like it was like really bringing me joy and, you know, coming from a corporate environment um, and not owning your own ideas kind of, it, it, I suddenly realized like, Oh, what it meant to be like, 100% you and 100% owner and 100% kind of uh, in charge of the destiny of these stories. So, so after, after all that, I was like, I think I want to get, I want to make some money off of <laughs> all this work. So I, I shopped it around as a compilation and really nobody was interested in it. And a, uh, another friend of mine who saw my, me struggling. So that led me down the path of searching for an agent. And I found this wonderful agent, Dan Lazar. And he kind of looked this compilation pitch that I was walking around with. And he said, no, this is, 
this is terrible. <laughs> Stop what you're doing. He's like, he's like, I like, and he, you know, he liked what I was, my stories, but he didn't like this idea of a compilation. And I threw all this out. He said, except for this one line here at the very end of the pitch, it was, um, uh, then we went down to Mexico to pick up my grandfather. Uh, things got really dark and I don't want to talk about it anymore. And that, <laughs> that was like the second to last line, I think, in the whole pitch. And he's he's like that. He's like, that's the story. Tell me that story. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, OK. I said, that's kind of a big story. And it's kind of dark, like I said. And he's just like, I don't care. I want to hear it. And so so that's where we kind of started the ball rolling with the Mexican memoir. So yeah, that one sentence kind of bloomed into this whole big book. I'm very charmed by the stories your other family members tell in the book. Can you talk about how those family stories help shape your approach to writing the book as a whole? Yeah, I mean, every everyone in my family, they're they're all very talented storytellers. And um and even though we tell we basically tell the same stories to each other because we were all there at the same time. Um, inevitably when somebody's telling a story, uh, somebody will call out the family motto, which is, Hey, that's not how that happened. <laughs> and then you'd stop and you'd be like, okay, tell me how it happened. And then they would tell their version of the story. And of course, from their point of view with what they thought was the funniest part about it. And then the next person will do the same thing. And so eventually I kind of just started collecting the best of you know, everybody's point of view of the story. And I'm like, oh, this, you're right. That is a funny moment, you know, or um, the, that in the book, no, no spoilers, but in the book, there's a scene with uh, this little boy with um, a runny nose and these pop rocks. And I completely blanked on that part of the story for years until my brother, Adam, he's like, he's like, yeah, don't you forget that little kid that came up with, with the running nose and the and he, we gave him some pop rocks and I'm like oh my god I'm like, that's the, uh, this is the best detail and I to it totally slipped my mind and I'm like okay I'm stealing that that comes into the book and so uh, so a lot of that kind of storytelling happened kind of in in the real world world and organic for me first and so pulling it together was was again just super easy um, and just had I had so much to choose from because you know, I have so many storytellers to pull from. I am always eager to ask this of people who write graphic memoirs. Um, how do you decide what to share publicly about your own life and what you keep private for yourself? Um, yeah, I think they're my, my biggest worry wasn't about me saying <laughs> anything about myself. Like I'm a big goof and you know, I deserve everything that comes to me goof wise. Um, but it was the realization that what you what you write about people, especially people you love, like it's read as what you think about that person. Because I love my entire family and I just didn't want to make anybody the jerk or, you know, give anybody, uh, you know, a bad turn, um, especially my mom. In the story, my mom at Towards the very end, we we're in a very, very tight situation um, in, in a situation where there's really no solution, no good solution. And she gives me some really terrible advice, right. terrible advice that, of course, I take mm -hmm. and it is wrong and bad. 
And in retelling that story, when I was when I was going through the editing process with my editor, Kate Harrison, um, she kept wanting me to to have my mom kind of explain herself to me. Well, she in actual real life, she's she never did. She never did you know, say exactly why she said these things or told me these things. And so I had to kind of extrapolate what I thought she was thinking. And it was really hard because I'm like, I don't want to misrepresent her and I don't want to make her, you know, any kind of villain in this situation because there was no way to win in this situation. Um, So that was like a really, really hard, hard thing for me to figure out like what was going on in her head because because even after a few years after it even happened you know she she would dismiss it you know she's it, like oh that's not what ha- of course that hey that's not how that happened kind of thing and and then you know even today there's really no solution there's no answer to, to it so it was just all of me trying to like this is what i know about my mom this is what I know about myself. This is what I know about my family. So this is as close to an explanation as I can give. But again, again, I was just that that's that was the tricky part of memoir as far as I was concerned was was how do you explain what people are thinking if you're not that person. So your art style in the book is really dynamic and you shift from style to style. And I'm curious what influences your visual style overall. I think what you call Dynamic, I call consistently inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> I like yours better, and I, I wish I could say that about myself. Um, yeah, I, I, I think what I, what happened, um, or what what for me organically was happening was, as as the story changed or as the story went along, my style kind of changed to capture what was going on in the story so there's there's a lot of places where it seems very comic-y and very kind of comedically set up and then there's other places where i felt like oh you know this moment is so you know so heavy on my mind that i have to put a lot of extra detail into it and i have and in and i have to slow everything down because like this little frame for some reason I want the, the the reader to stop for a second or um, and then when, you know, when it got into the more action stuff, then it kicked into like, oh, this is how I my brain as a child perceived action. It was comic books. And so I would try to do this mimic this old fashioned comic book style of uh, John Buscema, or, you know, kind of things where I was like, uh, you know, crow quill pen and bende dots and you know make it really a very old stuckel comic book kind of Mm -hmm. um but i was i was um i was early on very very attracted to linda berry's work uh just the rawness of of her stuff and the and and just her beautiful voice and storytelling was just always um uh just really impactful for me. Um, and then my DNA has, you know, Sergio Aragonis from Mad Magazine in there. Um, so those two were kind of mixing together for a bit. And then um, this this guy, um, sorry, I never can pronounce his name. I only see it in, in spelling. Uva Heichotter. 
but he did a book called box but it's very effortless kind of drawing style that i'm every time i see it i'm just like oh i just get refreshed i'm like i gotta i gotta loosen up i gotta do what uva does um again just uh anything that the story needed i would kind of shift gears to tell a story the the you know the stuff that was set in in the past that was more historical and not so much it was more circle and more emotional for some reason i felt like oh this has to be set out a little bit different a little softer a little bit more you know yeah. through the through the veil of time and and then stuff that kind of like there's a scene in the in the graveyard that that just needed a lot of little noodly bits to keep some of the darkness down and con and contained and then a lot of open space to you know let the re reader kind of swim in in uh, you know um, uncertainty you know I, I think a lot of that whenever you do have all that empty white space there's like just this sense of like you don't know what's going on there's there's nothing out there to nail you down except for what's right in front of you kind of a thing so it's it was all over the place and i just i had a great time <laughs> <laughs> so i want you to imagine that your book is on a library display um what other books would you like to see next to it you know i just read uh dan sentat's uh first time for everything no what? which yeah. i love i love just beautiful artwork and just the sweetest little ending of, of a beautiful story about a trip you know to europe is just amazing um of course i want to uh, uh victoria jameson's uh when stars are scattered um mm -hmm. just beautiful touching awesome awesome book uh persepolis uh marjorie satrapi um yeah just i just like oh i want to do this like I, my first time i read it i was just like i want to do this this is really cool i want to do this <laughs> I don't know what that means. I just kept saying that to myself. I want to do this. <laughs> um, uh, El Defo by C.C. Bell. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I just read uh, not too long ago, American Born Chinese. Whoa. Um, it was just, it was so fun. And I had just started watching the Disney Plus show. Mm -hmm. And and then I was very confused. <laughs> it's like, I have to go back and read it and make see if where all the DNA is going and how it's all <laughs> so so yeah so that book is just wonderful and then um uh let's see oh well stuff that's not necessarily in the you know the young reader range um is of course linda berry's ernie pook comic, uh compilation any any calvin and hobbs compilation and then um uh alex raymond's flash gordon strips they're just okay. so just a just brilliantly visually amazing, but also a real snapshot into those 1930s, you know, serials. And if any kid ever wants to take a time travel back to the 30s to see what the 30s thought the, you know, aliens were like, it's just, it's just bananas and awesome. Kind of. <laughs> so I think that's kind of what I would like to see around it. Cool. Yeah. I also, your book really makes me think of Shannon Hale's Real Friends series. Did you ever read that? Mm. Um, I... It's about, she's, it's her memoir of growing up in like a really big family and trying and struggling to, to like understand friendship through 
several years, and it has a very similar feel of like uh, balancing the funny and the serious moment. Mm. Um, that one's really good. I'm gonna, I'm writing it down. I'm gonna get that. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, well, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again to Pedro for taking the time to so generously answer my question. And thanks also to Penguin Young Readers for sponsoring this podcast. Hope you have something great to read next.